Hello there, Beard here. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to this Double Beard I am Dodgecast. That sounds worse somehow. Um, handy listeners, such as you are, uh, and welcome to me. I thought, oh, I didn't even, it wasn't even my thought, it was it was Cam's idea. Like It's been a while, it's been a hot minute since either of us <laughs> have put anything out on these channels, so it made sense to collaborate and then put them both out on each other's feeds and like do half the work for, for double the effort so hello the erstwhile mr campbell daniel ha- yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> you so, can't have tell though it's been a while since we've done this it's been a while since we've, oh this is like the time you you did the double with singled out but you were all pissed my is just i don't have the excuse of alcohol Yes. Okay. So um, behind the screen, um, we were always pissed on every one of our uh, podcasts. So <laughs> sorry if that's a spoiler alert. Uh, um, but hello, Rich. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's a gloriously sunny day um, here in. Oh, I can't say here in Holdfast Bay anymore because I don't live in Holdfast Bay anymore, and that was always the single most badass way of describing where you lived because it just makes you sound like a pirate. Um, but I do now live in Moana, so that sounds it sounds like I'm raiding a Disney princess, but <laughs> which is oh, yeah. yeah, very good, mate. Very good. It is, uh, it is a beautiful day. Um, so uh, barring um, on the beach. being inside and out, um, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's not bad at all. I did see that you were spamming people with beautiful photos of you, um, the beach near where you are. Absolutely, absolutely. Because not only are yeah, all the friends and family back in Blighty in the middle of an English winter, which you've you've lived in London, you know what that's like. Yeah. Um, but also they're indoors because of COVID and stuff. So yeah, I was doing some self isolation on the beach in the sunshine. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, we we did have to do some self isolation for a couple of days, just waiting for results. But that seems to just be the way of the new world. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, learning to live with it is just actually turns out to be being taking precautions and being a conscientious member of society, not just some people will die. Yeah. <laughs> and this got political <laughs> real fast. <laughs> it did, it um, did. We did say we were going to avoid the COVID topic, but no, it's always going to end. Not happen. The global bastard, um, as one of the local wrestling commentators refers to COVID, which I think is a phenomenal name. Um, yeah. Uh, if you hear any noise in the background, by the way, it's because my neighbour is building some decking. Because what else would you do, like, on a day like, like this? I feel like that's what people have been doing. I mean, improving their own environments such that uh, in isolation they can have the resort at home. That's kind of been, you know, the increase in building industry and those sorts of things, especially in Australia and South Australia, is is gone through the roof. Because yeah. Yeah, why not? Oh, if I'm stuck at home, why not make that the best place possible? Yeah, he's like, he's when I, I moved here in August, there was a corrugated iron fence just to the left of me where I'm sat now that was falling to pieces. And he was like, hey, how you doing? Um, do you mind if I put a brand new fence in? I'm like, no, like, crack on. Do I have to pay anything? No, I just want to put a fence there. Great. No, yeah, I'm. this is the best arrangement. Um the way it should be with neighbors yeah uh happy gravy day campbell oh fantastic so officially on gravy day should you be teaching me how to make gravy or what what's the protocol here well see i've saw this blowing up on twitter this morning 
and I was as a big fan of gravy. Um, <laughs> I had to investigate it, and I'm now going to for all of the the British listeners to this, I'm just going to explain the Australian tradition or. Uh, of gravy day or possibly i might even be explaining it to campbell i'm not entirely sure maybe um but it stems i've done like thorough research here it stems from an australian country music artist because if you're not familiar um with australians as far as i can determine of there's they fall into two camps which is i live in the city and think i'm a surfer or i live in the country and think i'm a cowboy um so country music very very big in rural australia as far as i can tell um and there's a country music slash alt rock phenomenon in australia called paul kelly who wrote mm. a song how to make gravy which is him it's a, i listened to it on the beach earlier because i like i had to have a, it's quite an earnest heartfelt song about a man writing a letter to his son i think it is from prison explaining how to make gravy so that christmas dinner can still have that little touch of of dad being there because of course we all know the fella's contribution to christmas dinner is making the gravy and not a, a not a great deal else but my absolute favorite bit of the song is it literally opens with him going today is the 21st and this man in prison is that optimistic that ozpost can deliver a letter <laughs> like from like the 21st of december and it arrive in time to be instructional and useful uh, on Christmas Day, and if I have learned anything in my 18 months of living here in Australia, that's fucking not true. No, um, no, <laughs> not even in like a, at a general time of the year. No, I mean this is what I spend my next few days doing is trying to um, calm customers who haven't received their parcels that we sent two <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's my being at the moment. So yeah, I'm I made the uh, the optimistic. Uh, somewhat foolhardy, optimistic choice of ordering all my Christmas presents in October for Jen, and they've just, they've not arrived. Oh wow, wow, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Now we had um, so we we did a little bit for the boys, you know, being in and out of trying to be isolated or just restrict our movements. And a while ago, um, and we play me and the boys play this game um, by Supercell uh, called Brawl Stars, and it's got the characters. Oh yeah, 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 love it. They love it. Heard good things. Yeah, so um, we, yeah, we ordered a couple of things for that. Um, Norella had forgotten the conversation we had, so she then went and ordered the same thing I'd ordered. Um, turns out, her the person she ordered from was way more efficient. Hers has arrived two weeks after she ordered. Mine still isn't here. And just <laughs> it's still it's still in January. Nice. Mm. Like if 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 there is one thing. Because people ask me, people ask me at work or just in the pub or wherever, it's like, what's the thing you miss about England or London specifically? And it is being able to go into a shop and buy a thing. Yes. <laughs> like revolutionary commerce. Um, Who would have thought that this would be such a revolutionary concept? That you yeah. know, Not just game stuff, although I do miss um, like the excellent plethora of gaming stores that we had in London, where it'd be like, oh, I fancy buying a paint. Like I need X. I need a new rattle can of undercoat or whatever. Oh no, I've got to wait three weeks for it to be shipped from fucking New Zealand. Yes, I mean that's the joy of living in quite a large country, mate. Uh, with its, you know, <laughs> population is tiny. So, but then again, yeah, as a state, we've got 167 COVID cases and not 98,000 new ones a day. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that bitter about Plague Island. No, anyway. no, but. 
but I do think um, New South Wales is trying to, um, uh, you know, speed us up on that front. They're aiming for that twenty-five thousand a day mark. Uh, I hear. <laughs> you. I mean, you got to, you put the hard yards in. Um, you do your best. You, you know, you pay attention to your coaches and. Mm. Uh, and these Hopefully. fools keep going out and wearing masks. I mean, can't they just take them off and spread it faster? <laughs> Seriously. I was in, I literally went to a Foodland about an hour ago. Um, foodland is like a spa for British people. There you go. Uh, with an R, not just like bath spa. Um, and the fella in front of me in the queue didn't have a mask on. Uh, so I, I kept me, me one and a half. And uh, there's an old boy behind the counter, and he's like, "You didn't feel like wearing one today?" And the girl is like, "No." He's like, "You're medically exempt." And the fellow didn't answer him. He's so we asked him again. He's like, "Are you medically exempt?" And he goes, "Yes, yes, I am. Do you have AIDS? Do you have <laughs> HIV? Handling all my food?" And he like turned around to look at me for like some kind of laugh or support. And there's like me and three other fellas just slowly shaking our heads or just you know like face palming. And the guy oh. suddenly realised he wasn't going to get the support that he wanted and paid for his VB and fucked off. Um, I'm surprised they didn't just kick him out. I mean, this is, this is what I don't get is, uh, man, we are really on this COVID. It's <laughs> good content, I suppose, you know, um, we can, I mean, let's can be honest, there's not been a lot time. else going on for two years. So yeah, fact, fact, actually. Yeah. So, um, to the listeners, uh, there's going to be a small amount of gaming uh, content here, mainly just COVID content. That's all we're going to get. <laughs> No, to, yeah, to be fair, I can uh, point them in the direction of a whole bunch of anti-vaxxers. So, uh, yeah, if, in the show notes, we'll just put all those links for them so those people can go and, um, yeah, put their tinfoil hats on. I mean, in, it is fair. In the past, the Guildhall, certain members of the Guildhall community have accused me of being a raving um, left-leaning um, socialist, to which I say, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not... You know, it's not a massive difference, um, but numbers are going through the roof. I refer, of course, to the number of people that hate Boris Johnson and uh, <laughs> Scott Morrison, uh, thanks to the new Shropshire variant. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. Just idiots being idiots and having parties and calling them work meetings. Quick, let's talk about some hobby. <laughs> right, right. So, Rich, I mean, this is the, you know, from from my uh, podcast point of view, it's the Christmas episode. If you're yeah. ever going to do an episode, it's got to be the Christmas one. It's got to be the Crimbo um, one. Yeah, people tend to do a bit of driving uh, on that day, unfortunately, and it's always a good thing to listen to. So what the hell have you been doing over the past year, mate, when it comes to hobbying? Um, mainly Bushido. Um, I have done, um, for those people that aren't aware, I've started a new podcast, the name of which and logo I stole mercilessly from Campbell. <laughs> um, like he came up with a name, he just, you know, being a graphic designer type that he is, came up with a logo and then he did nothing with it for six months. Um, Was it only six months? <laughs> probably. Oh, probably <laughs> maybe, maybe even longer. Who knows? Um, so uh, I'm in much the similar vein of one of my favorite hobbying podcasts ever, uh, which was called Before We Begin, which was a fantastic podcast for second edition Malifaux, um, which is how I became friends with Connor and uh, Panza, um, uh, my erstwhile companions of this podcast and many and many gaming tournament and fantastic days gaming is they were both guests on that. And I reached out to them with further questions and like friendship blossomed and all that good stuff. 
Um, so I forget the name of the host, but he would sit down with someone and their tournament list and just go explain it to me. And I've, in t- as well as stealing the name of the podcast and the logo, I've also stolen the format. Because <laughs> there's no original ideas anymore. At least I don't have any. I'm over 40. What do you want? Um, so I sit down with a member of the Bushido community once a month or so and go through a list that they have prepared for an imaginary tournament. It's 100 points or 100 rice, to use their vernacular. Um no sideboard and we just sit down and we have a chat and it's it's been a really fun thing to do not only because it's sort of you're talking to different people and you're getting different people's perspective on models and scenarios and things like that but it's just been just like quite an entertaining way of going through and uh, i've very purposefully not done the popular factions first um i've spoken to three people so far i've got another one coming out at the end of this month um we talked about temple about the cult of uri and about uh the the jung pirates and um it's really helped me how i think about the game and perhaps whereas because of the you know i've I've played 300 plus games of guild ball and maybe 20 games of bushido is uh the way i analyze a model or something for guild ball is pretty much on point like you know you only have these six models what are they there for are they for support are they output models is this a goal scoring model is this a a taxi is you know whatever it's going to be doing the roles that i have on the field for it are pretty much set but bushido is just being these are cool models i you know dice go burr uh, and like, it's been a, a nice exercise in actually applying a bit more critical thought um, to it. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of, in all honesty, that's kind of been it. I've done a lot of painting. Yeah, you have, and you like populate our kind of our local gaming chat with that, which is awesome because I find, especially of late, that's kind of pumped up um, my uh, desire to paint and you know really get in there because with everything else and being flat out I just haven't found or made made the time to actually paint whereas the last week I reckon I've done about eight eight models eight or nine models which is it's been awesome it's been really interesting because I've almost had to like reteach myself certain techniques um, purely because I don't live in a humid puddle (laughs) Um, (laughs) i I live in a desert now which means in the time between lifting the brush from the pot to the model the chances are the brush is dried oh absolutely absolutely yeah you learn your dry brush techniques in australia seriously there is there is all there is only dry brushing Um, but undercoating is amazing you just like spray the model hold it outside and it's dry for like that kind of speed yeah it is so good it's a you know sunny day pegging models out on the shopping line for three days you know waiting for them to <laughs> is it dry yet no it's still not the pockets i mean um that's what happens when you don't see the sun for you know six months a year is that what that is yeah mm. mate lived in london I'm telling you <laughs> you lived in, you're not in london you live in south london yeah well, i only just you could like throw a stone at the river but lambeth but i was, uh, I was they definitely were. south of the river though yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you then what about me? Um, oh, geez, it's been a year. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gilball. I've done a bit mm. of Gilball, a bit of Bushido. So we kind of started the year um, doing the Bushido, and then we heard about the online Gilball World Champs, and then... Um, How was it? Yeah, that was, that was really cool. So as part of that, you had to qualify. 
And I just thought, well, this will be a laugh because I haven't played much in a while. Um, so I had to jump on and do the qualifier for that. Um, and because of the nature of the tournament, um, you didn't have to win the qualifier. Like they needed a certain amount for the um, for the world. So I think there were four different qualifiers. You had, just had to not gotcha. lose more than one game or finish in that top bracket. Um, so miraculously, I managed to do that um, and drag my sorry ass into the worlds. Um, you but it was. Uh, yes, so I played my. So you were uh, fine. <laughs> my filthy alchemist, exactly. I, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was an opportunity for me to just um, not learn anything new and play the boring shit that I always do anyway. Um, so I think I probably only played seven different models. Um, I think I just have one flex spot depending on whether I'm kicking or receiving sometimes. So mm. maybe eight, maybe eight, maybe I did swap captains at some point because um, you know smoke's amazing, but Modus is surprisingly still amazing. Yeah, he is very, very good. So I had some awesome games in that. Um, met some great dudes. Um, what really struck me was how, you know, the community is still um, thriving in, in a way, in a sense. Um, maybe not, you know, as big outside those people, but there are a lot of people still playing um, and enjoying it. And a lot of those top-tier guys that we've met at, you know, WTCs and whatnot were still still on there. So, um yeah, had some good games. I managed to um, completely cheese dick um, Alex Botts, the poor guy. Um, he had, I reckon he had me beat for all rights. And then Campbell just needed um, eight successes on four plus on eight dice. Um, and hey, why not? Modest does like a, you know, quadruple <laughs> dodge into goal range, bang, scores. Thank you very much. Uh, so what did you say to Alex Botts? Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how, was... how did the the on being online impact the meta? As someone whose best friend are clock points and the <laughs> slow, begrudging resolu- you know, resolution failure of my opponents to continue to want to play me, um, you know, being predominantly a morticians and brewers player, um, did not having a clock and it being predominantly online change like the kind of guild construction or the play style that you you'd expected to see um if i was so when i went to wtc that is exactly how i played i played for clock i played the engineers mm. and i just played my ballista list where i just keep shooting you until you, you know, your clock runs out um and then i've got pocket goal threats why not because i'm playing the alchemist generally i don't want to see the game go past turn three so from my own because i'd score and then that sure. dies, and then i'd score again that um one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so from that point of view uh, my experience was that it wasn't that long i remember one long game i can't remember the opponent um and it was hilarious because everyone would post when their games were on and so you'd get a, a crowd of the other people so you know your perkins and those people would be on there watching and listening uh, if they weren't falling asleep um because you know <laughs> it, so the games were slightly longer but there was one where yeah it was long and my opponent kind of jokingly accused me of taking time i was like uh and i didn't say anything at the time and one of um one of our locals hados just private messages was me because is he for real like he's you know he's <laughs> so game and the dude would have clocked twice over so you had to be prepared for a longer game um definitely but I don't think it really... It just took that win condition off the table. Um, you know, there was... Oh, I forget the format. So you can either do Vassal or there's that other... Uh, what's the other tabletop? Tabletop simulator? 
uh, is it Tabletop Simulator? The, the other one that has a module or an emulator for Guildball. It, it, it nicely includes the the delight and pleasure of knocking over your models and not being able to pick them up. Oh, that no, it's not that one, but that is hilarious. Oh. I do love that one. Um, is it War Game or something else? I can't remember, but certain um, that has a clock on it, and so I think they were trying to request that. But in general, most people are, are vassal driven and um, yeah, play on that. So. I must admit, I do, I, I do miss Vassal, because um, whilst there is a purportedly excellent um, online Bushido tool uh, with Tabletop Simulator, I, I don't get on with it as well. Yeah, no, neither do I. I, I don't. Vassal's just so much better. I just give me thirty millimeter tokens with a player's name written on it that I view from top down, and can just. I don't want something. I want something to simulate the the game that I'm trying to play with a friend, not the models. I don't need the the models. Isn't the bit I want simulating. It's the fun kind of yeah. thing. And I must, yeah, I do miss fast. But anyway, yeah, carry on. No, I was just, yeah, I completely agree. I think the models, um, you know, you, they don't fulfil my desire to put models on the table physically. Therefore, I don't need them digitally, kind of thing. So yeah, oh, yeah I just yeah. I just need to symbolise it. Um, yeah. So no, it was it was it was a really good experience. So um, played. I think I ended up going coming eleventh, something like that. Um, out of how many? Out of um, more than eleven. Um, <laughs> out of I can probably this makes really good. For for podcasting out of mate, 20... if they're listening, they know what they're into. Like, yeah, yeah fair, fair. <laughs> uh, out of twenty-two, mate. Oh, there you go. Solid halfway. Solid halfway. Um, yeah, with the likes of, um, you know, Perkins was in there. Um, our good mate Edward Lambeck from Canberra. He he finished second, so he got to the final. Um, and then yeah, Alex Botts. There was yeah, the who's who. There were some really good players in there. Um. But it was just good fun and good to keep in the game. So that was kind of my first half of the year, really. And then then I hibernated and jumped in and out of Bushido with our local guys. How have you... I must admit, I found it um, quite difficult to maintain Guild Ball enthusiasm um, because... Or, or just because I know that there's not going to be a new release that isn't kickstarted. And we should probably talk about the Kickstarter that they've done for the lamplighters and like the public play test for the lamplighters and stuff like that. Um, I don't know what it is, but just kind of like going to, and I'm all power to them. And I wish them every success in the world. Like, you know, there's some very good friends of mine among in Steve and Dan and, and um, Dom on that committee and some people that I have a lot of time for um, with, yeah, like Neil's um, uh, from the inspiring hat and all that, like all power to them. I don't think I would, I have the ability to do what they're doing. Mm. Um, but I must admit, I found it hard to motivate myself to guild ball um, purely because of the, I get excited about new releases. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've you've actually jogged my memory as to what are the, the rest of the things I've been doing in between coming into the club is there have been a few local guild ball tournaments and um, 
to the credit to some of those guys, including um, Pan and um, um, oh, MJ. Like the amount of tournaments that that fella's organised oh. this year, like how after you, fella? Yeah. Like, and he's probably single-handedly, yeah, dragged, you know, or kept the meta going. But one of the key points is they've all been slightly quirky. Other than there was one serious tournament in terms of we're, we're just going to have it a flat out. Um, but the other ones were things like um, you randomly get assigned two guilds and you can make mm. whatever name out of those. You've got to have a minimum of at least two from one guild, from each guild. So it forces you to um, basically play with um, different interactions. And whilst, mm. um, oh, and then we did a full snake draft where it was like every, all the players are up for grabs. You just snake draft and choose the players you want um, and end up with these absolutely busted teams, which was hilarious. Mm. And I think that. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I angled um, for the ridiculous of that cat list. Um, but that alone just made it um, enjoyable and kind of kept the interest up. It also highlighted I, things that shouldn't be in the game. <laughs> and the <reason> <laughs> um, I think if if that was the sort of thing, like let's say next month we've gone to CanCon and Pan's all going to date at like a tournament in person, I probably would enter and I'd probably have a, a great time doing it because obviously... I have a lot of muscle memory for Guild Ball. I was saying before, I forget if it was on camera or not. You know, I've played over 300 games of Guild Ball. Um, and, yeah, it's a great time to have with people in person. Um, the games I have played down at the club um, against Dave and against Ellie and the like have been, you know, I've laughed the whole way through. Um uh especially at shepherds uh, <laughs> um i just i um, because the clock for me was such an intrinsic part of coming to play guild ball i don't want to play without it mm. um after sort of playing in competitive malifaux scene in the uk where i i came up against slow play so much um and i just found it such an incredible rude waste of my time and then um connor just went oh we're playing this game and you have to do it on a chess clock so everyone gets the same amount of time i was like i'm in like i don't care i don't know anything else about the game <laughs> but apart from the fact i'm gonna have the same amount of doing stuff as you are um was enough to sort of get me into it so uh, maybe i'm being a bit unfair on vassal maybe i need to dust off the digital dice yeah, I think there's definitely a social component there. And I found, I mean, I pl I've always played two modes. So if it's a tournament, then I will play quick and I'll be, you know, smart about it. Vassal, obviously, you can drag it out a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely, in a social game, it could go three hours on Vassal, whereas mm. um, if in the tournament ones, they were generally we were pumping them out pretty quick. But I do completely agree with you. I mean, I came from, you know, pre-Gilball was War Machine. Um, yeah. And that was you go, I go in terms of full army list, right? I, Lump I activation. Oh, I despised waiting 45 minutes to have a go, like, or, you know, half an oh, hour. Yeah. Turn one, because that's often where the game was won and lost. It was just like, really? I'm going to sit here. You're going to wipe half my shit out, and then I'm going to work out. I'm pretty much done at this point, right? Because you've got something I haven't thought about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, so I had a game over. Yeah, so um, no, I completely agree. And, and I always struggle to to think of you as a war machine player because I've seen you paint your figures. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I got a fully painted uh, troll or multiple <laughs> troll lists. In fact, this you know no no salt at all, but I've got a fully painted troll list that's no longer um, 
viable because uh, they errated it and I can't put them all in <laughs> now. But thanks for that. I bought your models. No worries. <laughs> it's, they still look all right. Um, I mean, it's not it's not like we have a long history of buying people's models and then being told we can't use them anymore. No, no. I mean, it's not like I'm completely addicted to all the busted stuff and can and just go straight for that. Um, you know, hence my catalyst <laughs> list. That was well, that's all I was going to say. So in the snake draft, um, we it was uh, we drew random positions and then you work your way through. You had to pick a captain first. Then after that, it was free for all. And the only other criteria of your twelve was obviously you had to have a mascot. And you could only cap out at two captains, two mascots. So you couldn't, you know, go over the overboard. Um, when you selected uh, the masters, um, you had to say whether you were taking it as a captain um, or not. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I was about to ask about Smith. So that makes sense. Um, but they were a sneaky little option because they bring extra influence. So there was some cool little broken things. But straight up, I was like, right, who who's the most ena best enabler? I'm like, right, Wellington, cool, because everyone gets a, you know, I get an aura of damage and everyone gets their um, character plays. And yep. I'm like, right, what can I do from there? Minx, because blessing of the son father on uh, vet, vet cat for free ground pound. Seems really good. Oh. <laughs> Compiled with Wellington's free character play, another free ground pound. Um, and then, yeah, so I basically just did a whole list that had, you know, multiple tooled ups um, and tried to, lump it all on VetCat and see if I could obliterate a team in one go. Um, didn't quite do that. I killed a lot of models, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Turns out spending five activations to make one really good is pretty predictable. I mean, as, as a Brewers player, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, VetCat, uh, sorry, Vet Decimate can carry an awful lot of buffs. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Like. I was like that. We ended up like, you know, on Vassal, you go like ended up with all the things. It was like five things next to him. Right. Is that everything? Have I got it all on him yet? No, blessing. Okay. Yeah. Surely um, you took um surely you took uh, the best boy, um, the dog from the brewers for the plus one tack and Oh no, no. Uh who was my mascot? Far out. I can't believe I can't even think of that. I took um so I had um Gra OG Graves um for the tooled yep. up. Um, and then uh, I did have Minerva, but I didn't use her because I was going to, yeah, maybe try for the ice, the old, you know, ice the ranged singled yeah, out thing. Singled out, yeah. exactly. And um, uh, and Harrier AOE for extra damage. But I think I only had two damage buffs. So I had the um, Chef Special and Tilda. Nice. And then I was able to, oh, oh man, mascot, can't even remember. But it was. Um, it was pretty busted. So Flask, because he does the, he, Flask does a free character play as well, doesn't he? Ah, uh, but only of cost two or less. So hence why you can't get a oh, okay. ground pound out. Yeah, yeah, because you can't have any broken stuff in alchemists. No, no, and but this did highlight. And this was the interesting <laughs> part, and probably gave us that sense of almost insight into game development in a way that you saw the things that sure. should belong. Um, and yeah. Uh, like any form of damage buff in Alchemists. Mm, I can see why that doesn't go in there. You know, there's a, whole, yeah. there's a whole whole plethora of things like that. Even when we played the tournaments where you got randomly assigned two guilds, you just saw, oh, like I think I got Miners uh, oh, and Masons. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> superior strategy, Spade, really good. Like, you know, <laughs> little broken things. Never like taking that. damage ever again. Like. <laughs> yeah. So, it's no, good. there was... There that was much armor. Super good things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, legendary and 
So yeah, no, it's that that was a good way of kind of keeping people interested. And Pan's still, you know, and those the Canberra guys are still running tournaments on and off. Um, I nice. stepped out of the latest one just um, for Christmas reasons and Christmas. You know, yeah. work busyness. Um, mm. But yeah, I just found that was no, really good on you, Pan. Yeah, legend. Man Massive of the year. There we go. Just slap that right on him. Love it. So yeah, and then our obviously our club, like um, Bushido wise, we've um, we've got a couple of brothers and Rich who have held the flag with um, <laughs> occasional um, appearance from Ellie, and then the even more occasional appearance from myself. Oh, we need to sort that out. Oh, absolutely, saying. absolutely. I feel like I, to be fair, I, my love has increased uh, of Bushido tenfold, probably as I've got over a bit of a learning curve um i feel like sure. i've got to a point where i'm understanding the game more um and yeah and enjoying it more but also the hobby component as well um i don't just see it as a flat out um competitive game it's obviously a competitive game where there's a winner and a loser but i feel the experience is actually a massive component into enjoying the game when it comes to the shooter i agree i think um it's, it has a cinematic element that perhaps Guild Ball didn't have. Um, and obviously there are a lot of former Guild Ball players at least sitting in the Bushido Discord. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like the hot topic at the moment is, is clocks because they are looking at ways... They've got their Masters tournament running at Element Games in January. I think that's sold out now. Um and of course, they're looking at um, ways of maintaining round times, and the and the the topic of um, clocks has come up, and it's not been a hundred percent well received by the existing community. And I, to be honest, entirely agree with them. Or well, not? No, I entirely see their point of view. Um, it's probably a better way of putting that because Guildball was a game that was designed with clocks in mind. I think that's pretty evident, or at least even if it wasn't in first edition through the release of the OPD and just as you know, the plethora of tournaments that were played for that game came about, clocks became a steady part of, a, um, of it. And Bushido isn't that game. If you've never played Bushido, A, I can highly recommend it. B, it has a phenomenal combat mechanic one of my favorite combat mechanics of any games i've ever played in that there's a lot of psychology between you and your opponent involved it's not just pure dice maths it's you know every time i am attacked i am able to counter attack i've spent that momentum but those attacks happen simultaneously and i have one dice pool to split between attack and defense <coughs> excuse me and there have been games where i've been attacked and put no dice into defense whatsoever I put it all into counterattack, and someone's literally just run up my spear, kind of a thing. And those like really nice, cool cinematic moments that um, it can exist in a, in a game such as this. And be, but because there isn't that sort of strong delineation between what is my go and what is your go, having a chess clock to sort of, to to try and determine who's had the most time, I'm. Skeptical about. Um, I mean, you've played obviously a lot on clock with and Gilball. You've also played a fair amount of Bushido. Um, what do you reckon to the whole uh, clock yeah. discussion? Um, I 
I, I like the idea of a clock in a game. So that's number one. Um, but then completely understand the point of view that, yeah, there are these moments where you're discussing, you know, who's and the order in which who is playing um, and what defensive ability or offensive ability you're going to use that's, that's no one's time in particular. I wonder if you could have a clock, but then also some component of almost neutral time. Now, I'm not saying designing a different clock but something where you either pause or something happens in those interactions um i'm not sure how functional that would be in terms of a tournament play i think you'd still probably need a round timer that yeah, you know, yeah. Go, goes beyond what is to so say you've got 45 minutes each um on clock the round timer is two hours so there's uh, half an hour of fat in there for those interactions um not sure how you find a winner or a loser, but I currently understand that it's literally just a, a two-hour round timer. Is that correct? With yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't find that overly fair either because that could encourage playing for clock as well. Yeah, I mean, going back to sort of like the competitive UK Malifaux scene, basically tournaments give you two hours to play a game. And uh, two hours and two hours for a game of Malifaux is a, a perfectly reasonable amount. Um, but there were certain strategies that after a while of going to tournaments, you knew you just didn't take. Um, so for, again, for the uninitiated and perhaps for Campbell, like, uh, and then this is M2E, I've not played any third edition Malifaux, but there were ostensibly five principal strategies and then 12, if I remember, sub-schemes, although they may be named the other way around, I may be misremembering it. And you flipped cards at the beginning, and depending on what those cards were, you got a pool of strategies to choose between. And like some of that was open information, some of that was closed information. It was a very cool way of determining the scenario, because it also meant, and one of the things I loved about it, was that the scenario I'm playing is maybe entirely different to the scenario you're playing. And if you think of like the the gangsters trying to, steal a uh, drug shipment their objective is totally different to the police trying to boss them doing so kind of thing i was i did love that about that game from a narrative perspective but like one of the 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 strategies or one of the schemes again i forget what it was which exactly way around it was was called bodyguard and you got more points throughout the game the longer a designated model lived um so but if i'm in a tournament setting and then we're only going to get to round turn three out of six then there's no point taking that strategy because he hasn't reached round five to gain maximum points and also there was another there was a, and I mean, admittedly this may just be the fella but i went to a tournament and knocked my token tray over and he was up on vp and i was like oh shit uh, can you give us a hand and he's like it's in my best interest not to oh wow Wow. And I was like, cool, this is the last Malifaux tournament I'm coming to. Like, yeah, like, if, and, if and that's, that's when you're win. Went, here's a clock. And I was like, that thing's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Actually, yeah, I mean, that highlights, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on our podcast before, but when we went to W2C, and this was just a sign of how good, and, and you know, different communities have good and bad components. Um, I'm my entire tray was sitting on the edge of the table and a guy accidentally whacked yeah. it off. And we're talking uh, A4 size full and every dude around, and this was before we played the French, I reckon, mm. they were like diving. It was like dolphins going in the water. <laughs> Everyone was <laughs> under tables, 
pick enough tokens. Mate, you are, yeah. And yeah, that's what you want. Lose any tokens, and everyone was like straight on it because um, everyone understood that sucks. Being me sucked <laughs> at that, bon- that moment. Basic yeah, human absolutely. emotion. Yeah, yeah, which was, re- you know, that, that's one part I really loved about it. And maybe that's more indication of um, W2C. I mean, I've seen negative play experiences in pretty much any <laughs> other, or all tournaments, uh, regardless sure. of the, the game format. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I think there's a, there's a clock thing there and I don't like people just completely cheese sticking someone because they can. I mean, it's the same with um, one of my pet hates in, in football. So soccer for Australians, football for everyone else. Um, is time wasting at the end of it. Um, and I, I witness it in kids' matches and it blows my mind because it's a learned behaviour when a kid does it. And it's the simple, like it could be solved so simply by, okay, every time the ball goes out, we just stop the clock. Um, but instead it's like, oh, well, we're up by a goal and the goalkeeper's going to now take his time to put it down. It just does my head in. Well, how, many, how many times have you heard, I mean, like, even I say this, not as a fan of football, but the concept of Fergie time, um, of just, oh, look, Man United have, have, have pulled it out in the last minute of injury time or whatever. And but and the same mentality needs to play applied to gaming. So, like, I mean, we played a three-hour game um, on Saturday, three, four-hour game. You know, we had a Christmas gaming day. It was a social occasion. Beers were out and burger at the side of the table you know it wasn't a tournament and we got to turn four and at the end we kind of went well i'm going to do this you're going to do that there's no way you can actually beat me good game let's go and do something else you know kind of thing exactly and i think that kind of logic or not logic that kind of way of discussing a conclusion is fine for that setting um but when it comes to a tournament where it's because it was interesting because they held on the Bushido equivalent of gubs. Um, although that's not a very accurate analogy because everyone's pleasant to each other. Um, hey, um, <laughs> you know, what's your favorite way of ending a game kind of thing? I think this fellow was trying to make a point about clock play. And the overwhelming thing was, well, after a little bit of time, we'll just talk through the ending. And I was there kind of looking at it thinking, not one of you has ever played for a draw in a tournament. Um, and I don't mean that in a dismissive way towards those people, but the amount of times, particularly not so much in Guildhall because there's no such thing as a draw, but particularly in Malifaux, um, where it was just kind of like, I'm getting nudged in early doors. Maybe I can pull this back to a 5-5 game because that's a game where 10 victory points are played for, you know, um, um on the you know maybe i can pull this back and get a draw and maybe that will get me into the next bracket in the next round or maybe that will be the difference between being best in faction and not being best in faction something like that playing for mm. a draw in a tournament setting is like unless you're the fellow that's going to win everything like there's nothing wrong with playing for a draw yeah, um, okay. and i don't think the whole play for two hours and then chat about it because there'll just be one fella who just goes no no i would have pulled it back like you can't you can't prove that I wouldn't and yeah that's that's perhaps more gamesy than than I am um that's more of a Dave Cameron move <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but um yeah it's it's a thing that could happen and you need as a TO um a mechanism in place for being able to say that guy's one or that lady's yeah. one 
Absolutely. And this is where, and we, we always say it, it's a, the common term around our chat groups and whatnot, is Gilball ruined us for, for competitive gaming. You know, in 100%. A sense that, uh, they had it so tight, and still do, um, in terms of, you know, even if every criteria is even and uh, everything's gone right, well, who kicked off? Okay, you won. Because if everything else is even, it's never 100% even. They no, had I've, a, I've, a, lost a game to- I've lost a game in a tournament because of that rule like oh like, wow against steve margitson <laughs> um all because all because i forgot to heal vet cat and he died and gave up two vp making the game a tie and oh, i lost oh, oh, and i never wow. let him forget it <laughs> but the only reason uh, he beat me is because he wrote the rule for it um that is hilarious shout out to steve <laughs> good lad so um you know in the Christmas episode. Um, um, sorry? I was just shouting at Pappy. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we've got uh, my dogs in the background here. And um, being Christmas, we've got plenty of people picking up and dropping stuff off. So she's, <laughs> she's, a, she's a podcaster in her own right. Um, she's got her own Instagram uh, chat, you know, account. So. <laughs> content career influencer. Oh, she is massive content. Well, actually, she's so slack. She's like a couch dog. She doesn't actually go that far. <laughs> this is a, a a miniature sausage dog for all the uh, uninitiated. Um, and she this doesn't Campbell's move. Campbell's dog who far. absolutely hated me until she worked out I was good for a stroke, and now like quite fond. And just rolls over and it's like, oh, pet my belly. Yep. So favorite favorite model for twenty twenty one. That is. Anything? Sorry? Very easy. That is a very, very easy one. Um, so GCT Studios, who are the people behind Bushido, brought out a, a massive fucking sea dragon. And yes. Ryujin. Um, it's a enormous two-piece resin monstrosity. Um, it's got tons of detail. There's little oars and snapped bows and an octopus riding the wave, and he's got coral for for horns and an enormous moustache and tiny little tyrannosaurus arms um and it was it went together with a minimal of fuss and and required very little cleanup which is always nice in a resin miniature and was an absolute dream to paint you know sometimes you get those models that practically do all the hard work for you like those like the concept of painting a living wave is quite intimidating and then you just start glazing and dry brushing and it was just so easy. much fun to paint. So yeah, that's a real easy one. Um, and on the on the table as well, it's good fun. I mean, I've, I experienced it on the other side of the table and I thought, <laughs> well, it's a very strong model, thematically wicked, like to see rolling around the table. Oh, there's, there's just some really nice rules on it that um, it's ranged attack either pushes you away or draws you nearer to him because, you know, it's a tide. Um, if you're near him, you're immune to fire because it's a giant fucking wave. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a big sea dragon spirit thing, so it can bite your head off. Um, mm. I mean, it's a lot of points in the game. It's like a third of my list. Um, nothing is more expensive than it in the game. But it's hilarious. And as Ellie proved, it's not indestructible. Like, he ate it with his dragon. Um, with <laughs> Just had a big dragon fight in the middle of the table. That's awesome, though. I can't believe I missed that. Now, that would have been cool to watch. That was very cool. His dragon is much fightier than my dragon's much more ranged bullshit and positional nonsense. 
his just eats your face. Nice, nice. Well, what blew me away is when you put it on the table, and I've obviously seen the photos of it, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind that. And then I'm looking at it going, that base is even, hang on a second, you're like, yeah, no, that's a 60 mil base, it's not even a 50 yeah. mil base. I'm like, that I don't even have a pro- I don't even have proxy tokens. Like, if I need to do any kind of, like, oh, maybe I can move there, maybe I can't, like, no, I've got no, I'm going to have to get stuff made. Yeah, there's no, there's no way. There's no way not around it, unfortunately. Stuff. How am I supposed to game? Right. Yeah. 30, 40, 50, mate. No one, no one even thought of 60. It's like next level tech. <laughs> um, oh, mate. And it was cool to watch, like, across the board. Me, I, I've i really got into the Bushido stuff. So I actually think, and what's funny about this model is, initially I looked at it and went, that is a dicky model. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> Sajobo. Um, so the I played basically the Tengu or the Dissension, which are the Birdman. Um, but there are, um, as highlighted um, to me by you, Rich, there are, you know, there's the Chinese versions and there's the Japanese mm. version. So I believe he's one of the Japanese versions and he's got a big nose. So he's like Pinocchio with wings. Oh, that's it. Yeah. To paint was just so much fun. And so, yeah, I, I think that you broke it. Well, that was just, you were just kindly indicating to me that I should be pinning uh, the wings on. And I just. <laughs> And I, I accept that um, as uh, a poor modelling technique, and no, I've, I've amended the, that situation. Like the great irony of this is the amount of times at tournaments I've gone to people, can you, can you hold my, can you move my models by the base, please? Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm, then you just grabbed his wig. <laughs> yeah, and I've just snapped your fucking guy. Because um, you know, if you've not seen my my models, tend to have like four to five mil of cork on their bases. This is so you have something to grip. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I was playing against Cam's models on the weekend and just fucking broke the wings off because I'm some kind of ham-fisted twat. There we go. No, absolutely. In true double dodge fashion, you should do um, what I usually do is then offer to glue it back together and then uh, glue it back together incorrectly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that didn't go too down too well when I did that. Um, but yeah, no, really, really cool model, really cool model, and I think that's kind of, that kind of kicked me into gear to because that was possibly first or second of the last group that I've been doing, so I'm about mm. 18 now, um, and still going just because I'm like, well, I'm like all of you guys, right? I've got a million models and only a few of them are painted. Sorry, all of you guys other than Rich, who just paints them as he gets them. It's some weird anomaly. I have fast painting bastard i'm appreciate i appreciate this that i part i paint uh, a speed uh, i'm there's a, a gaming group which sadly i'm nowhere near but i've been gaming with these guys for over 20 years uh they all now resolutely only play 40k which is i don't i don't not a game that holds any great appeal for me especially not at the the prices that Games Workshop charge for stuff over here it is literally twice what it is in the UK. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, so I've been gaming with those guys literally since the late 90s. Um, uh, known as the men who stare at Zotes, which is still one of the finest gaming puns I've ever heard. Uh, they measure how fast the model is painted in Keelings, um, which is a, 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 an enormous compliment. Right. That is awesome. There's a, I don't know if you followed Trent Dennison, Big Denno. Yeah, um, I followed, followed him on Twitter for years. He's an amazing painter. Yeah, he is exceptionally quick as well. And that's what blows yeah. everyone away is his painting isn't just 
like next level, it is so fast too. He just smashes them out. Smashes well, that was the thing. Like they had um, uh, apologies for any Hispanic listeners for my horrific pronunciation, no doubt at this point. But they had Angel Heraldez um, at Salute a few years back, just kind of sat there painting. And I watched him for a bit and I was just kind of like, yep, that's the amount of time I would expect for, <laughs> for that kind of skill to require. But if, if, uh, if Dino's got the um, the speed as well as the skill, then fuck that guy. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, he was, that was that was the uh, I was about to say notorious, probably the um, not the right description, but where they did when they designed the start of the Rat Couchers Guild and Skulk was oh, yeah, know, yeah. created. Um, yeah, at SteamCon, and then all the way through, he's the one that then smashed out the paint job. Um, yep. And okay, he probably had a night, but I guarantee you, it took him an hour. Um, yeah. He was, yeah, he probably spent longer just because it was going to be a showpiece. Um, but yeah, this guy paints quick, so amazing. Yeah. Um, so with both Guild Ball and um, Bushido, we've had a new faction come out this year. Yes. Um, were you part of the Kickstarter for the lamp, the the lamplighters? I think being an Alchemist player, uh, it would uh, have been remiss of me not to be. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I'm a completionist as well. So if anyone's like mates with me or, you know, been in some of the chat groups, I've been scouring to find the last couple of Guildball models that I don't have, which I what are you after? Just, sure. quickly, just quickly put it out there just in case anyone's I'm, got I'm pretty sure on Saturday when Sean came and dropped off uh, Veteran Chisel, that completed the collection. Oh, really? So that, was, that was the last one I was looking for. Yeah, I've had, um, you know, people from all over the place just like in your good self, you know. Um, uh, the boiler that I got a few, um, yeah, basically sending me models. Um, nice. So obviously paying for them and paying for postage and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure I have them all now. Um, nice. And lamp lighters was just going to be, you know, part of that. I, I like the idea of a complete set. So yeah, yeah. So you yeah, want I was, I was, if nothing else for the Alkies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly for those crossover players. No, they've they've been pretty cool. Like having a look at them, I think. Definitely from a community standpoint, um, you can tell that this is the first kind of full, you know, minor guild or any um, guild that they've designed. I think they've definitely done what Steamforge did with Hunters, where they've erred on less powerful than OP. Um, sure. But, Easier to get toys um, than take them away. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, um, I think there's some really cool, and the crossover models, well, current crossover models are really cool. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, probably my only, you know, takeaway for the Guild Ball listeners is uh, I think Nightlight um, needs actually needs a legendary. I think there's a little bit <laughs> skew if when it comes to their function. I love the on-off mechanic, um, but I think that could be streamlined. And the idea of basically that you know you can either set yourself a light or not when you compare that to some of the other legendaries in the game, which are just ball bursting um i kind of go yeah that's just not great the thing that and now admittedly i have not taken a particularly protracted look at them um mainly because a i i am not an alchemist player um i loved olympic ring smoke um <laughs> i just thought it was cool like yeah. uh, just like show me any other game where that gameplay is replicated like and i think it's a genuine shame 
um, that that gameplay of, of I have created horrible zones on the pitch and I can move them around. All right, they try to replicate it a little bit with with the um, Faulkners. It's not quite the same. Um, but I loved. I thought that was such an imaginative gameplay idea, and I think it needs to be in the game. Perhaps not to the degree that it was with Smoke. Perhaps not with as many options. But just that I've moved this thing over you, and now you're on fire, or you know, whatever. Like it, maybe that can be a minor guild thing. I'm not sure, but I thought that was cool, and we don't have it anywhere else which i think is a shame but anyway so that was the only time i ever really played alchemists and i exclusively played smoke during that time um so me not playing guildmall as much you know i've gone from playing five five times a week to sort of once a month um and also not being an alchemist player i haven't had a look at them but the, the thing that immediately leapt out to me was that these are models which are they're intended to be it's a fast goal scoring resource additional resource manipulating team in much the same way that alchemists are um please correct me if i'm wrong because you have much more knowledge in this field than i but i the fact that they don't have a guild rule which takes away the um movement debuff aspect of fire really surprised me or just were natively faster because these folks are not statistically any quicker than alchemists. You know, they're all six, eight, seven, nines, which we've seen elsewhere. Would it have been ball-breakingly busted um, to have had a 9-11 base move model that you really want to have on fire to activate all of their abilities so that you have to make... I, almost like in the way that the rat catchers project a dilemma mechanic onto your opponent of all oh, which bad choice do you want to make for the lamplighters I would have liked to have seen the inverse be true of do I want the mobility of having an obscenely fast model um, or do I want all of my abilities which require me to be on fire to activate and I thought that could have been an interesting design space and and again, admittedly, from what I've seen initially of the of the beta rules for these, that isn't present. How does that, no. as as someone who is far more likely to play these than me, how does that strike you? I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, I think the at, at the first read, and then obviously, well, not obviously, but I have played them, um, mm. and I've and I've played the crossovers in Alchemists and a few variations there. Um, yeah, I find um, that troubling. Um, I don't mind it, but once again, yeah, if you've buffed a model up um, in terms of its speed, then it makes complete sense because the intent is that it wants to be on fire. My Then the follow-on one is that it's not the thing that turns... So you've got the whole on-off mechanic. The thing that turns them on or off in terms of which state they want to be in isn't consistent. They don't all want to be on fire necessarily some want to yep. be not on fire and i think from a learning standpoint and from a i don't know thematic standpoint i would have thought okay they all want to be on fire um to trigger the ability like you just said or they just want to be in normal state and they're just faster um the fact that some are each way i just find confusing and a bit like oh well okay so the legendary means anyone can take the state of you know the condition of fire but then some of them don't want that anyway. So really they're getting nothing from the legendary. So yeah. there's a few interactions like that that I find um, 
could be tightened up, but I can definitely look at them and go, they didn't want to, I can see some obvious abilities that you just go, mm, you can see they pulled that back because otherwise it would just be ball burstingly good and we're going to end up with the minus scenario again as opposed to yep. the rat catchers who I reckon they pretty much got perfect, you know, first time around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is worth pointing out that these models are in beta. Um, yes. And that is an open beta for which um, I know that Steve and Niels and the rest of the team would be very, very keen to have as much feedback as possible. So please, if you, for whatever reason, have been playing these models and haven't spoken to them or given your opinion on them, please, please, please do. Because if this is a community project and the only way that um, uh, changes happen is by people being told about it. And we, we had the phenomenal beta test days in the UK where I would go up to Steamforge and there'd be Jamie and Bryce going, cool, here are the models. We're Here's the next errata. Play with it and tell us what you think. And as a direct result of that, there are two rules in the game, which I suggested. Um, and that's cool. Um, like it is. It's genuine. Like I can look at veteran, um, veteran Ox and uh, Crucible and point at points on their card and go, I did that, and I don't even play those factions, <laughs> <laughs> which is the real annoying bit, um, which my wife constantly calls me out on. She's like, why, why, like, didn't you do that? I'm like, yeah, like I did. You tell me about it all the time. Um, fucking play with it then, you idiot. Uh, so yeah, if you have any anything to say about the lamplighters, tell them. Please. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. They, they put out a survey at one point. I think I've commented on some of the um, the, the bits and pieces they've put out. Um, but definitely, just any feedback, because um, obviously they're testing it. But I mean, it's called a community project for a reason. You know? Yeah, even that's the thing. Even even when this was with Steamforged, and you know, it was being play tested by you know the six fellas at Steamforged, and then the. Um, probably what 10 to 15 playtesters that they had all around the world they were that's more people than a part of the community project so the team for developing Gilball has really really stripped back and those folks are doing a phenomenal job um, in trying to keep the thing going um, but yeah tell them about it otherwise yeah uh, absolutely absolutely yeah. things don't happen at that point exactly. so um the lead in you were saying there was a new faction in Bushido Rich Oh, so they've they've reintroduced they've well, but yeah, reintroduced would be the right word. They reintroduced the Shiho clan, who and I must admit this is a and a really strange thing for me to say. I'm not particularly au fait with the fluff of of Bushido. Certainly not as much as I was with the 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 story of Guildhall for obvious reasons. Um, but this uh, they are like the returning clan. They're the family that have been in exile, ousted from the throne or the empress seat or whatever you want to call it um and are now through a series of guerrilla war style fair style interactions making their way back and challenging for the throne and all of the models are gorgeous um they're very very um traditional uh akira kurosawa style uh, seven samurai in the rain, miserable looking people with big straw hats and uh, and long cloaks and swords hidden away. And they're gorgeous. And when they were released, I think it was back in August, I ordered all of them. 
Mm. And in the six weeks it takes for models to be shipped from the UK to Australia, I sat down and I read the rules and realized that at no point was that the play style that I was good at or enjoyed playing. So I sold them all to you. <laughs> yes, yes. They are amazing. And it only took me two seconds of we were having a conversation. And then Rich is like, oh, what about we're discussing different, you know, factions for me to jump on. So what about Shiho? Oh, I think we're looking at it. And he's like, well, you know those boxes you've got there for me that you need to drop off to me. That was the thing point. I had because and I was like, moving, yeah. moving house. I just had them delivered to your place anyway. So they were like, yeah. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So you're talking about that experience of walking into a shop and buying something. I got to live that experience. You had to go through <laughs> the pain of just six weeks of waiting. And I got to go, oh, shiny things. Yeah, okay. I'll pay you right now and I can open this. Brilliant. How does no, cash work? Yeah, cash is Yeah. <laughs> cash everything's cash um it, aesthetically brilliant uh, and be, and beautiful models um and once again joy to paint like i think yeah. with bushido um and this isn't um a shot at their earlier stuff i think you could say this about gilboa or a lot of um miniature ranges is the early stuff size wise and there are some weird poses and that sort of thing but the, the, at the moment are absolutely nailing it um every model that comes out is stuck stunning really good to look at um and great really when they moved to digital sculpting yes um and yeah the yeah look some of the early ones aren't my favorite they're not going to be making a top 10 list or anything like that but the current ones are absolutely gorgeous and i'm an enormous fan of it and the thing that i i really enjoy about the game from an aesthetic standpoint is although yes this is a game that is set in a fantasy um I mean, it's Japan is the obvious one, but there's elements of Korea and China and sort of even Vietnamese legend in some of the models. You'd think the the aesthetic would be incredibly monotonous. Um, and that's just not true. Like every faction has a really strong visual identity. And that's a, a uh, kudos to their sculpting team and their artwork team for, for doing so. And that you've got factions like the Shiho, which are very traditional like like I said, it looks like an Akira Kurosawa movie um, in that sort of traditional samurai aesthetic. And then you've got tea, you've got factions which are, um, you know, people that have pirates that have made awful deals with sea spirits and are now half men, half crabs, shark things. And then you've got just the Bakamono and Yokai, the you know little goblin esque things running around, and the Kami as elementals like everything has a very very visual distinct feel but look like they can exist in the same world as the the people across the table from you and i think that's very very cool yeah absolutely i and i'd even go as far to say and this was initially one of the first things i saw playing the game or felt was the flavor of the factions um i looked at it mm. and went oh well yeah you know you've got you know you got samurai and ashigaru so do i oh wow and I was, I was expecting the interactions to be similar, but they've nailed the flavour. And maybe there's some over-complexities, which we've discussed plenty of times, that could be neatened up from a competitive standpoint. But in terms yeah. of um, faction flavour, it, it is amazing. You play a different faction, they feel different. You cannot play them the same way. No, no. And it's interesting because philosophically, Gilball for me, and this is certainly how I played, as not being as goal orientated as someone like yourself was you know how many buffs can i stack on a model and then go and utterly destroy something whether that was 
a buff in a statistic or whether that was a buff in the form of a crowd out. Um, you know, it was all about for me, you know, how many, you know, how many stuff can I get on veteran decimate and go and taxi somewhere into my lines so that someone can get enormous benefits from crowd outs or singled outs and the like. And then the same was true of the morticians of I'm going to go and get someone with obulus and stick them right next to casket and memory and between them, they're going to stick you in the box and I'll have a delightful four VP for doing so. Whereas I find, or at least the way I've started to gravitate more to playing Bushido is how many debuffs can I stack on my opponent rather than buffs stacked on me? Because I guess part of that is I, I can't just put all the influence on one model. Um, it's, you know, every model has effectively two influence a turn. Um, so before what I guess I would do on one model, I'm now having to do across multiple, which is quite a nice sort of just different games, game play style. Yeah. I think also what caps that, um, is the fact that when you roll your dice, irrespective of how many extra dice you can get, you can only, you know, there's, there is a maximum there. In terms yeah, of the yeah, results, you take you can use. absolutely so way more beneficial if you're already close to that three or four dice anyway, because you can basically only cap out at eight, right? Mm. Um, eight in terms of number, not dice. Um, yeah, so uh, for those uninitiated, you take the number of the first one, and then anything that's not a one on your second, third dice just count as plus one to the roll, um, yeah. effectively. Is that a good way of explaining it? Anyway, yeah, it's yeah, not like getting a fistful of rage dice. Say that again. It's not like getting a fistful of rage dice and rolling fifteen dice on a rage charge. No, no, it's you know, orc players will be disappointed that you can't just roll handfuls of forty dice and, and count up all the results. Only so many are going to count. Um, and this is where it brings it back to that debuff that you're talking about, bringing someone down to one dice, and they've got to choose whether they're putting that in attack or defense. Is mm. becomes a really big thing and probably more powerful. And I think that and just of course, speaks to the learning curve. If you curve. can even get them below that horizon of into negative dice, then the mechanic is they are brought back up to one, but however many they are brought back up by, your opponent gets as a bonus. So if I can get Campbell to minus two on dice on his pool, um, to be, he's got to be given three charity dice, for want of a better expression, I'm getting three bonus dice as a result. And that, I think, is a great way of, of really, like, that guy's fucked. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to stick the shoe in as much as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, there, um, I've no idea what we're talking about there, but I'm, I believe it was Shiho and Dice and um, yeah. cool things in defense. Mm. Rich, wishes for 2022, other than that we just slowly get into the year and not everyone at New Year's Eve go, yes, it's year over. Next year's going to be amazing. Everything's going to be different. It's going to um, be perfect. Yeah, and the chances are, like, let's be honest, chances are 2022 is going to be pretty similar to 2021 and 2020. Um, I would like for, for, for GCT, I'm going to split this into two sections. I'm going to do a Bushido section. I'm going to do a Guild Ball section. Um, so for GCT, I would like for them to make their errata f finalized. Because uh, their errata is kind of like a, a living, breathing beta document, um, which has its benefits. That if you go on the Discord channel, which is a very good and positive community, I have to say, 
um, and go into the Errata FAQ suggestions channel and go XYZ, I think this should be this. Here is my reasoning, you know, show you working kind of a thing. And they go, hmm, that's interesting. We'll discuss it at our next meeting, which could be Thursday. If on Thursday they decide that's a good idea, it's probably going to show up in the errata document next week, which is great. Like that is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a living, breathing Google document. I can't edit it because <laughs> um, there'd be a lot more puns in it if that I could. Um, but they can and they do. Now, GCT are not um a fully fledged and i don't mean this to be patronizing or anything like that they're not on the same scale as perhaps you know steamforged or private press or game shop games workshop or weird or anything like that these fellas have day jobs and they get together on a sunday and you know or whenever and make changes to their baby um and that is highly commendable because ostensibly they're doing no different to um the Gilball community group like <laughs> they're a bunch of mates putting out the game that they want to put out and taking it on their chin so my wish is for that beta to be finalized published and for new cards for all of the models that have been impacted by the errata to be public to be published and available um, and I appreciate that that's quite a significant undertaking um that yeah you know, when you're a company when you are not a day-to-day -day company you don't just have an art department that you can go to and go i've made this change to this model can you do me a thing by the end of the day you probably have to go to an outside contractor that costs money or you need to know how to do it yourself and that costs time but i think we're just getting to the point now where the errata is that much different to how the rules were originally published that they need to finalize it and make those cards available the classic example for this is your fella that we were talking about the other day uh um one of the things i hate about campbell's faction is that every single character is named pretty much the same um uh, or at least it is to my mouth um yeah Hirobo, hokibo which one hirobo it is hirobo, hirobo. So yeah. Hirobo on his card says that he has the spirit minus one trait, which means he rolls one less dice when dice when doing um, opposed key tests, which is effectively magic. So he gets one less dice when doing magic. In the errata, he gets one more dice for for doing magic. That is a significant change. Equally, um, that model when it does a successful ranged attack inflicts the weak mind one condition on their target that that condition doesn't exist it doesn't it didn't it existed in the first edition of the game and clearly got like left over as an artifact into the current edition of the game um which i think is the third um iteration of the game so that it's not weak mind one it's spirit minus one um and just like when we first got into the game a year ago we looked at that card and went he's terrible uh, and moved on and now because of the errata Actually, that's not true. He's actually really, really cool. Um, yeah. But by looking at the cards, you wouldn't know that. You'd have to go to a document to, to understand that. I think I've made my point. Update your cards, GCT. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. So then on the Guild Ball front, what were you going to wish for? On the Guild Ball front, I have two 
requests and one I was a little salty about <laughs> um, and I'm going to try not no. to be about um, well no because it was, it was I was a little salty about uh, with the community project and told them as such is that every single member of the community project is based in the northern hemisphere and I think there are people like Pan, like Haydos like um, uh, fuck, I forget his name there are people that live in the countries um which are not in the northern hemisphere that deserve a voice and representation being told that if we have any concerns we can raise them to the fella who is in chicago i forget his name that's great there's a 17 and a half hour time zone difference between us um, yeah. it gave me it gave me feel bads and gave me it made me not want to care uh, <laughs> if i'll be completely frank um like what is it half of the world championships have been won by kiwis yeah, I think. Well, let's have a look. Wills won one, uh, one by a German, and one by Alex Botts, I think. And then, uh, yeah, but then the well, Kiwis are fi- finaled in it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Kiwis are finaled but, twice. Yeah, like, they obviously know what they're talking about. Maybe, mm. like, <laughs> maybe involve them as well, and not just from a feedback perspective, but from a talking perspective. I don't know. Um, I would just like to, yeah, I would like to have seen proportional representation, but then I'd like to see that in politics as well. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, mate? Let's start with Guildball for you. Oh, and another errata. I'd like to see another Guildball community errata because I think they did a sterling job first time round, but could have gone further. Absolutely. Um, that was going to be my first one with Guildball. Um, well, one of the things I was going to highlight, mm. yeah, errata. I thought they did really well. Um, and did enough on those models, but, uh, and as they explained, they didn't want to go all in. Like, that's why they set it at 10 models. I think there's plenty of other models they can touch, but I think the first round was really good. So I'd like to see that because that'll also generate more interest. People will go, oh, look, you know, this model's given it that really well painted uh, model I've got that I haven't used for a while because it's shit is now slightly less shit. And so I'm going to be able to use it. Um, yeah, yeah. And just so a, a non static meta. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not saying that Gilball has a static meta, um, but uh, one of the things that will keep a meta alive is changes, and yeah. I don't think there've been enough. I get like like you, I get their logic. The fact that Thresher and Knuckles are still not being nerfed is hilarious. Um, sorry, Ellie, Knuckles is OP. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but if you ask Ellie, right, Shark should go back to season one. Shark, Shark should have right. gotten the string. Yeah. Yeah. Range gut and string range and legendary, gun. so no one can move. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd like I've to see that on a video. The thing, the uh, thing where I said that Australia should have someone on the community, I'd like to rescind that immediately, just in case. <laughs> just in case Ellie got it. <laughs> that so true. He'd love. He'd be all right. I'm going to go back to season one shark. Um, I'll chirp up and say season one Midas. Uh, we're good. We're good. It's there, fine. Jobs are good. Yeah. OG Obulus, and we're we're fine. That's fine. Um, and probably, yeah, I mean, releasing the new the Lamplighters plus the other minor guilds, I get that they're staging that, but I think this just comes back to your point of um, change brings about meta change, brings about interest. So having a rolling cycle of um, erratas and new models, um, you know, obviously it's very difficult given that they're not the original game designers, but having that going will just keep that, that flavour, um, sorry, that uh, enthusiasm going. Um, yeah, people sticking to the game. I mean, it's, um, it's um, from a purely selfish point of view as a content creator, um, I need something to talk about. 
Yes. <laughs> our, our best ever podcast was that uh, the Arata one of uh, the Alchemist Guild, where we got to interview and chat about the Alchemists. Oh, when you, you talked to the Jamies. Yeah, yeah, that was by far the best ever because of the the and not I'm sorry I'm not talking by um by hits or responses that probably did get the most but yeah most fun and interesting because we got you know we got sent it not much before because you know for fear of leakage to, into the community and whatnot which I completely get um yep. but it was that fun of oh check this oh that's cool and you know partway through the conversation you're then working out an interaction going oh but then they can do this like. Really interesting way of doing it. I'd maybe even like to see that. Um, obviously, if only releasing one guild at a time, it's hard to you know support all the networks. Although there's pretty much sure. you know. And you know, people. fair enough. Like neither you or I released an Arata episode, um, and that is on us. Um, yes. But in our defence, COVID. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! In our defence, singled out have an inside man. I mean, that's that's all I'm going to say. Like you know, yeah. it helps. Yeah, hey, I, I think there's some corruption going on there. We need an anti-corruption watchdog. I mean, when you when say single have, have an inside man, surely you mean single are an inside man? Because it's not like Andrew's putting out any content. It is just all Steve. Yeah. Do you reckon he, they just take an intro each time and they just reword it like, and just splice Andrew's voice together and then strap it on the front? Like, is Andrew I mean, actually anything? I will only, I, yeah, only, of all the episodes of Singled Out I've been on, I'd say I'd only actually present for half of them. The other ones were just like voice samples that I that I provided and Andrew was able to like, <laughs> cut up and use in post because his editing skills are that strong. Streamline, streamline. I love it. <laughs> um, so Bushido wishlist. Uh, mm. Me rule streamlined now this probably falls into uh you know a newer version so maybe not something that's going to happen in 2022 um but we as we've discussed and, and this is completely my opinion and subjective that there are certain rules from a learning standpoint a simplicity and, and speed gameplay standpoint could be streamlined in and you've highlighted there's what nine or seven or nine different rules um, or traits that interact with fear um, yeah. and and all slightly differently. And so you've got to understand those and how they work and the triggers and, and what order things happen in. I feel like there are things like that that could be um, streamlined and made easier. Um, there are, you know, certain other rules that probably could just be merged into the same thing. Um, so I'd like to see something like that. Um, I also feel graphically they could be helped and hey i'll put up my hand i'm a busy man but i do know how to like edit you know documents and whatnot sure. uh, i am a graphic designer by trade but uh, a graphic system to help with uh things rules that affect damage because it's all a damage chart which either pushes you across or down depending or up depending upon whether it's an armor that you know will decrease the damage roll or uh, if it's something that negates armor, I'd like to see some kind of graphic system that they could do that just helps that. Um, and so I know, oh, okay, brutally, there's one more column to the, you know, to the right, or just a, like a pretty flowchart that explains yeah. the the time. Because I know there are like timing tables in um, in the rulebook, um, which goes through steps one through fourteen of how to um, complete a a melee action. A well-presented um, flowchart, as was at the back of the guild ball um, 
manuals would go a long way to helping folks who are more visually orientated um, understand and complete the game uh, and, and compete in the game because it is a very complicated melee exchange system which I think is to its credit and is part of the appeal of the game for me but it is still any help you can give to people to make it as less complicated to visualize as possible I think would be of the benefit and the fact that there are only certain stages where you can use key feats to impact things. The fact that there are only certain points where you decide whether or not you're going to key boost and who key boosts first compared to the other. These are still parts of the game that we as a gaming club are getting wrong a year after we started playing the game. Um, so yeah, just anything graphically you can do to sort of be like, this goes here. Um, I think would be of tremendous advantage. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think one of the you're... one of the things I think they would benefit from is one of the things I really really like about Bushido it is that it is multiple games happening at once. By which I mean there are rules of engagement which are not in the rule book or in the manual, but they are sort of inferred to you. Like if Campbell and I face off with two military factions, if I have the Minamoto bear clan, who are the, the tank faction within the game. And I go up against his Shiho samurai who are the guerrilla warfare flank from all sides, archery faction of the game. These are two human, um, uh, factions, very little fantasy element about them, unless I start bringing in like the mountain witches or stuff along those lines. But ostensibly, they are, you could see this in any classic samurai movie and it would not look out of place. As soon as you start to bring in Kami or soulless models or like the, the more spiritual side of the mythology, half of those rules no longer apply. And I really like that. There is a very distinct feeling between mortals and the non-mortal models, but it is perhaps could be expressed better than it is that that is an expectation you should have in this game because currently it just leads to feel-bads. Like if you have an Ito who are like the snake clan samurai made a terrible decision with a spirit and now half of them are turning into snakes kind of thing. And you're an incredibly poison heavy um, list and you come up against an army of zombies who are all soulless and immune to poison. Well then tough shit, like half your stuff doesn't do anything. And that's fine. Like, I think that's cool because it's a nice design space. And of course there's counterplay and there's other things you can do, but as a new player, just coming into the game just to be told oh that whole thing that you've built your crew around does not work isn't going to be a positive feeling no i completely agree i completely agree um, um and i think that's something that i've discovered but is that just part of the learning curve as well i think you know maybe the the rules can be streamlined to kind of help that um yeah but also, yeah, and highlight those interactions. I mean, what was the, there was one the other day that we were discussing, and like, oh, yeah, no, I can't do that because he's soulless, so that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. Uh, bleed. Bleed, yeah, yes. Because I, I play with pirates, and they've got giant hooks on the end of sticks. They don't do a lot of damage, but they're going to open you up, and you're going to gush out as a result of it. And I went against Sajobo, one of um, 
uh, Campbell's Tengu Birdmen, and he's soulless, so he doesn't have blood. So yeah. why would why would why would he bleed? Um, and, and it makes perfect sense, but it's it has to be one of those things that you um, uh, you express rather rather than sort of let people find out in a gotcha style moment. And they have done like work with the errata to make that less the case. Like soulless just meant you won every opposed key test, so like every magic test that you went into um regardless just if you had a soul in this model you won because you were unable to be affected by mind magic now they have changed that so that that's only the case when you're not the active model so you can't just auto cast spells at the enemy which is cool i like that that's a nice positive change um Mm. not everyone's a big fan of it particularly those that have been using it as a loop (laughs) um a loophole to get stuff off but that's cool that's what writers do they 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 smooth the game out um yeah just kind of state that this is a game which involves the political machinations of warring mortals and oh and by the way spirits and demons are going to turn up and entirely ignore that there Mm. you go like in one sentence you've kind of set the expectation there you go you recorded that we'll just we'll put it on a light i'll just send it to jason odin also the developer's called odin like yeah (laughs) i love it i love it i mean it's pretty good I, i mean it also comes back to the fact, as you said before, there's, you know, they've got other jobs. This isn't an easy thing. Yeah, so yeah. we are, we are, we are putting out wish list items here. But both of these games are not the easiest to uh, to make changes based on uh, both of their current circumstances. I mean, I think it's, I think it's really interesting and perhaps a little bit indicative of the gaming options available to, to us as a whole that the two games that we're sort of talking about here aren't run by the big companies um and that's a but i appreciate we've we've rambled for an hour and a half but towards the end of this have you been tempted by the likes of marvel crisis protocol what's happening with judgment like where where's like um like kings of war armada what's going on elsewhere that could have garnered our attention and hasn't um so marvel um definitely looks cool uh so uh, Jesse and Hados, um, they've played a bit of that. Um, I mean, all, all three of us are in different states, so um, you know that obviously makes uh, gaming difficult. Um, mm. So they've played into that. I went to and then went in all all in Bushido, but that still looks pretty cool. I did yep. back Judgment Kickstarter, so this is the attorney. of course, <laughs> um, of course, because I've got addiction issues, which are only surpassed by uh, Rich's addiction issues. But Rich, to his credit, paints them. Moves them <laughs> to justify paying for the next one so it's probably less of an addiction more of like a production line um yeah. so judgment looks really good the sell them to people locally and then that means we have a meta yes well, and a painted meta with no disrespect um you and i both discussed having painted models is just that's the flavor that's, cool. that's the like that's what we play right um yep. So Judgment looks really good, uh, um, the redesign or the new version of it. Um, so that'll be cool to see. And it also, because it's the mechanics are similar to Guild Ball, it, it was getting off the ground probably about a year and a half after Guild Ball started. So there are a lot of transferable skills there, which I really like. Um, and I know from the older version, like that's that just made it so easy to jump across and play. So it'll be interesting to see. What Speaking that goes of transferable skills, did you see Dave Cameron was in the finals of an MCP 
event uh, <laughs> last weekend, having never been to a tournament before. Uh, and playing minors, right? No, wait. <laughs> Everyone was playing uh, the same. <laughs> and equally, there's there's the other game that um, a few people um, have jumped into, just to add this into your your discussion. Um, my mate, uh, Graham Nichols, who you may have heard on Heroic Play, talking about Brewers, um, just won a Game of Thrones uh, Fire and Ice tournament. He went like it was, it was one of those moments I wish someone had screenshotted it or something like that because he went to the tournament as a complete unknown. Like it would be the equivalent of being an unranked player on Longshanks. Um, took what is believed to be the worst faction and the worst commander and won the entire tournament. Um, oh, I love it. So, of course, their Discord just exploded with, like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, style moments. Uh, so, yeah, oh. well done, Graham. Proud of you, buddy. Uh, that is so, awesome. But- um so yeah so judgment you you're fully backed and we're waiting on two point because didn't they sell up um so they they basically sold off um so they joined with oh i'm going to struggle is it creature cast or something like that they basically joined with another company or sold a component um so the guns the guy who created andrew galea he um yeah they sold a component of it because once again he had a day job right And, and he was developing the game and also doing a podcast for it and doing a live stream videos a really good for podcast it. And for it. Cause I remember like it's probably 18 months ago now you were like, come on, I'll give you a demo of this. So naturally I went and watched YouTube battle reports and um, listened to some podcasts and it's a really good podcast as well. I can be quite critical <laughs> of <laughs> uh, gaming podcasts. Um, and but no, it was really good and informative, and and I, I learned things. So yeah, full full power to them. Absolutely. So I think that's a watch this space. So I, I backed I because I already owned most of the models, and they've done a size reduction in the models. So I believe, I mean, you'll still be able to use the existing models from you know the first version uh, in the new game. So I basically backed the basic version just so I get all the you know rule book, mat, those those sorts, and and to support him. Um, I think that's really because, a really sensible business decision on their part because, you know, like you say, Judgment is a, a grid system based game. So the size of the models really doesn't mean that you could have a scrap of paper with Orc written on it if you really wanted. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't put a bit of effort in, fuck's sake. You paint, um, paint a little Orc face on there first. Yeah, a little Hero Quest dude, you know. Um, but. <laughs> the price point for judgment 1.0 for me was crippling um i'm not paying 70 dollars uh that's dollary dues not dollar doodle dandy um if you're wondering how the official way of differentiating between dollars um i'm not i i just can't do it like i'm not paying 210 dollary dues for a starting set um, that I will most likely, let's be honest, paint and then flip flop away from, and want to yeah. want to, to try something else. So the fact that they've well, gone from 54 millimeter scale to a 32 millimeter scale makes that, yeah, they've they've enabled my indecision. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think, and it, it, that was a common thing amongst the club. Like, I mean, I'd I'd back the Kickstarters, which was way better value, obviously. Um, so sure. you got a lot more from, but yeah, you're still talking, yeah, fifty bucks a model, something like that. Um, and it's and you stunning monsters, models, right? You need like neutral monsters um, to to play, the, which is a great concept, um, but it's just more expense. And you're right, the models are glorious. 
like mm. beauty like the only thing that's better than those models is to, for like pure aesthetics it would be to paint the busts yes like, they are they are stunning models and that's probably what drew me in was the hobby component um but yeah definitely i would say watch this space with that um i cool. know a few people that have um, backed that kickstarter and then obviously because i being an addict own you know pretty much every model well i'll be able to bring it up to the game club and because it's a 3v3 or 5v5 well when you've already got 30 models then i'm pretty sure we can get a game in yeah and like judgment does appeal because of its fixed objective it's kind of it reminds me of guild ball in that in like i'm going to i need to get x amount of victory points to win you've got a what looks very much like a goalpost at the other end of the pitch um i like how i get to that is at that point the gameplay and my decision and the nuance of the game but um i must admit i am i prefer a game where the objective is fixed every single game rather than the random generation of scenarios but hey that's just me yeah and i think that's a game learning thing i think if you've got 10 scenarios then that's just a lot more thinking when it comes to uh, list development and whatnot which gives you space for niche models being used because scenarios might you might have niche scenarios but it also does mean that you got to put a lot more thought into how you're going to play each of those scenarios and i remember that from war machine there were certain scenarios you're like no, no, always take second turn because then you'll be the first yeah, yeah. player to score points and then when you flip-flop back and forth, then you win the game and things like that. Um, um, but just just having a fixed objective of, like, Guild Balls, I need 12 VP. It ultimately yeah. doesn't matter if if you have 11 or 1 or, or none. If I get to 12 VP first, I have won, definitively won this game and that puts a clock on the game that because in, in another game and yes I'm, I'm sort of including Bushido in this but also things like 40k and Malifaux were also in this is we could play for two hours and be at zero zero and that's for a Saturday afternoon where I've come around your house and we're having a cup of tea in a game that's great in a tournament setting it's not as impactful because the effort and the fun that you're having is then not representative on the um and the final result. Does yeah, that make sense? absolutely, 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 completely agree. My cat's come to tell me I'm being too loud. Yeah, and I think I think that's my wife telling me like uh, you've been chatting to your good mate for too long. It's time to actually do some real work, work in the <laughs> mate, real world. I need to go and mow the lawn, so that's not too badly timed. Because that is such an here. Aussie thing to say, mate. I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> mowing my lawn. It is so much fun. It's my best podcast time. Listen to other people yeah. talk bollocks. Um, I was about to say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, um, Judgment looks fun. I'm still halfway curious about the Game of Thrones because ultimately, dragons, what's not to love? Yes. Uh, rank and file infantry, what's not to love? Um, so, I don't know, that, maybe that'll get me. I really want to try out uh, Kings of War or Marda because ships and naval combat, and that's always fun. And there's a lot of games to play, Campbell. We need to play more games. All right. So I think on that note, we definitely will have to get in every week and uh, into the club, or I'll have to get it. You just walk there after work. Um, yeah, it's quite some... where I work. It's super handy. Not that that works for Dave. <laughs> oh, subtle sledge. Hey, we love you, Dave, but dude, you work next door. Just saying. Be good to see you. Yes, it would. It would be. Um, and the beauty of the club or the uh, gaming store is uh, beers. Mm, always good. Mm. 
Tasty, tasty beers. Do you like a hand super dry? Uh, oh, look, mate, I just like beer. I like the general term of beer. Um, <laughs> I like every beer. Um, and, a, and a cheeky wine. Mm, I do like a cheeky wine too. So, um, mate, um, have a nice festive season. All the best to and the family. Uh, and yeah. uh, to, to Bert. hope Bert's okay. Bert and Bess um, are doing well. Yeah, we're not expecting Santa, as I always say. There's only one fat man with a beard that empties his sack in this house. Uh, <laughs> that's my Christmas uh, joke. That's it. That's not fantastic. workplace appropriate. It's not no. so I can sort of get it out here, if you'll excuse yeah. me. Uh, so yeah, I hope you and the fam have a lovely Christmas, mate. Good to see you. Thanks for a year of gaming. Um, we'll do another podcast in a year. <laughs> oh, at, at maximum. Do you have an outro? I can never no. remember. Uh, we just, uh, it's the Wang Machine, mate. We just Wang out. No, so we're going to put this out on both our feeds. It should be noted. Yes. If you want to hear the Wang Machine, you're going to have to listen to it on um, on Campbell's feed. And if you want the Obey the Beard song, you're going to have to listen to it on mine but until next time handy listeners such as you are i need a better outro oh my god becky look at his beard it's just so beard oh, baby. Oh, baby.